0: Hello and welcome to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Root of BTN.com. We've got another jam-packed episode for you here on the Take 10 Podcast. As we've officially entered the month of March. Uh, March Madness is just about here. It's actually kind of weird this year because this time last year we were in New York City playing the Big Ten Tournament already a week early. And then just the way the calendar worked out this year, not only is the Big Ten Tournament back to normal date, but it's another week later. So we're two weeks um, still from the start of the Big Ten basketball tournament. It's just weird having it be a full two weeks later than last year, and it's got me kind of thrown off. But uh, i get here soon enough, and as soon as March hits, I officially consider March Madness. So happy March to everyone out there. One of my favorite months of the year. And we've got uh, some great guests here today to uh, start the month right. So First up, we've got a guest that, if you've listened throughout the last couple of years on the Take 10 podcast, you may have heard before he's making his third appearance on the Take 10 podcast, so I think he's in the lead now as far as recurring guests go. Spike Albrecht, the former Michigan and Purdue basketball player, uh, played four years at Michigan, was a hero in the national title game in 2013 for the Wolverines when he scored, I think, 17 points against Louisville off the bench and then uh, transferred as a grad transfer to Purdue for his final year and won a Big Ten title with the Boilermakers. So uh, always a great source of knowledge, info, um, insight as a young alum and guy with still a bunch of connections to the current landscape of the sport of basketball, especially uh, some of his guys from Michigan that went on to the NBA and uh, guys that are still hooping across the globe uh, from both Purdue and Michigan. So. Spike's a great guy to talk to, especially with uh, his alma maters doing so well this year in college hoops, a lot of Purdue and Michigan insight from him, and just a lot of uh, solid general sports talk discussion with Mr. Albrecht. So we'll get to Spike in just a second. I mentioned we do have a jam-packed episode today. We have two segments that follow Spike's interview. Uh, We get back to our regular stat head segment with BTN researcher Harold Shelton listen to the show before, you know we have Harold on quite often to break down the numbers behind Big Ten basketball. Uh, nobody knows Big Ten hoops better than, than Harold, and he takes us behind the Big Ten title race. His alma mater, Michigan State, uh, has great insight into how they've been able to withstand the loss of Nick Ward and remain in the Big Ten title hunt. We talk Purdue, we talk Michigan, and we talk some of the resurgent teams in the Big Ten like Penn State as well as, uh, you know, the middle of the pack and how they fare heading into March Madness. So plenty of great insight from H, as always. And he's uh, going to be our middle segment. We have one more following him at the very end. Um, and that's our BTN Call for the Culture segment with producer Colleen Degnan. If you've listened the last month, month and a half or so, you know we brought Colleen on to... Fill us in on the intersection of sports and pop culture. Working plenty of uh, Big Ten connections to the sports and pop culture kind of realm. And reminder before we get to those three discussions, uh, please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean. And you can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well and find all of our episodes in a playlist on the Big Ten Network YouTube channel, so leave a review, a rating, if you haven't done so already, if you're streaming right now, go subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback you want to leave is much appreciated. All right, enough of the intros, let's get to our first discussion with Spike Albrecht, former Michigan and Purdue basketball player. That interview starts right now. Very pleased to be joined once again by former Michigan and Purdue hooper, Spike Albrecht, Spike, before we even uh, exchange pleasantries here, I have to congratulate you on being what I think is the first three-time recurring guest here on this Take Them podcast. So, you know, there plenty of people come on twice, but you're the first three-piece, so congrats.
1: Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm a veteran to the podcast, so I appreciate
0: it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Spike, uh, it's been you know about a year, 11 months or so since I talked to you last. Update us on what's going on with you these days. My sources say, you know, we got some inside sources here in the network. Say you're in the city of Chicago. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I, I am doing pharmaceutical sales in Chicago for um, the past year, but I, I recently just accepted a new job um, in uh, medical sales that's, that's going to be taking me to Nashville. So my time was short-lived in Chicago, but I'm, I'm excited about um, a new chapter.
0: Congrats on the new gig. What do you know about Nashville? Have you uh, got any connections down there? you kind of going in blind?
1: Um, I've got some friends there. Um, I know that there's good weather and good-looking women, so that's about all I need to know, man.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, and last time I saw you, we were down in San Antonio at Final Four. You were on the BTN set right there on the Riverwalk, and you were doing the media rounds as a former Final Four darling, you know, in Michigan. So <laughs> you got two chances now this year to do that again because your two former schools, Michigan and Purdue, are very uh, very good this year, and I think either have the potential to go to the Final Four. So what's your thoughts on, on their potential? What? What do you think the chances are that at least one of those schools makes it to Minneapolis a month from now?
1: Yeah, I think they, you know, I think they're they're both legit, you know, candidates to get to the final four. Um obviously Michigan's, you know, proven they they've done it before, especially you know in recent history. Um you know, I think top to bottom, they got the team to to make a deep run in March. Um you know, and then, and then Purdue, you know, I think they really surprised people this season, but you know, the tournament's all, all about guard play and, you know, having a guy like Carson Edwards, if, if he gets hot, um, you know, I think they have a legit chance to make a Final Four run.
0: How much Big Ten basketball do you watch these days? I'm sure you keep up closely with your former teams, but how much do you get a chance, you know, just being a 20-something-year-old, uh, I'm sure with other obligations? Do you do you keep up fairly regularly?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's been a little... A little harder this year, just I've been so busy with work. But I definitely keep up on on both Michigan and Purdue. Um, actually, just this week, I was I was in Ann Arbor for the game Sunday, and then last night um, I was at the Purdue game. So um, I definitely try to keep tabs on them as, as much as possible.
0: Was that you with the whistle last night at the Purdue Illinois game? They had to stop <laughs> stop playing because someone was
1: whistling. No, no, it was not me. Thank God. Um, but that was bizarre, man. I, I'll tell you what, the fans in Mackey Arena they bring it every game, though. It was rocking last night.
0: Yeah, and it's been something that's been repeated all year by broadcasters, you know, people here at BTN, players as well. Matt Harms last night said it was the best atmosphere in the country. If you kind of expand on that, what as a player, either as an opponent or, you know, somebody that's on the Purdue Boilermakers, what jumps out above all the rest? Because there's plenty of good atmospheres in college basketball. What makes Mackey uh, even next level beyond that? I
1: mean, I I just – I think it's – it's Indiana basketball, you know, I mean, the fans love basketball in Indiana and, um, Purdue fans are, they're insane. They're at every game. I remember when I was there, I mean, whether it was a conference game or a non-conference game in, you know, November, December, I felt like every game was, was sold out and, you know, they know basketball. They know if there's, if the refs make a bad call and, you know, they jump all over them. Um, you know, but you, you can, you can feel that and sense that as a player and, and as an opponent as well, I mean, I think they got a big home court advantage there, and I think that's a large reason why they've, they've had so much success over the you know the past four or five years, at home especially.
0: So Wednesday night you got the result you wanted at your alma mater, at Purdue beat Illinois. However, you mentioned you were in the house on Sunday and obviously did not get the desired result, with Michigan State marching in there and uh, beating your Wolverines. So how do you think MSU, especially down there – Big Man Nick Ward was able to come in and beat Michigan uh you know the rivalry game obviously anything can happen but how do you think they did it being in attendance there
1: Man I will tell you what I obviously I'm biased but I've been I've been down on Michigan State all year like I didn't I didn't think they were as good as everyone was saying and um you know obviously I'm I'm partially biased but they came in they played awesome man Cassius Winston um, he really impressed me, and I thought he did a great job of just controlling the entire game. Um, you know, obviously down Nick Ward and um, Langford's out too, but I feel like you know other guys stepped up, and um, they just really controlled that whole game. You know, I thought they had a a great game plan together, um, and and Cassius just really just kind of dominated that whole game.
0: And Purdue's one thing because you were there for one season, but Michigan, you know, you're there four years and. I'm sure the pain of losing to a rival cuts pretty deep. So as an alum, you know, you're now in this fraternity with other people you shared the court with in Michigan, and you've got these guys on the other side of Michigan State. We have video here at BTN of former Michigan and Michigan State players talking about that rivalry. How deep does that cut, you know, once you're off the court but still taking in these games as an alum? How into the rivalry do you get?
1: Oh, you definitely, I mean, you definitely get into it. You know, I I see guys all the time on, on Instagram and social media, like tagging each other and, you know, talking trash. Um, I mean, that's bragging rights and it's not just, you know, while you're playing, but, um, there's a sense of pride that goes with, you know, you know, being an alum and, you know, wanting to see your team be successful. Um, you know, I, I saw though coach Beeline made, he did make a, uh, or he had a quote the other day that I thought was really good. And, um, college basketball is so much different than college football where like one loss to your rival, like Michigan football, if they lose to Ohio state or Michigan state, like that's the end all be all right. Like people are pissed, but with basketball, it's a little bit different. Um, and I don't know if you caught the quote, but he said something along the lines of like, we got a lot more to our season than, you know, beating Michigan state in a, a regular season game. And I like, obviously as a fan that you don't want to hear that. And that sucks to hear, you know, cause you're so pissed. You just lost, but you know, I think it's a great point because at the end of the day, if, if they make it to a Final Four, you know, like a national championship like last year, you think anybody remembered whether or not, you know, who won in the regular season? You know, they're remembering, you know, who who makes a deep run in the tournament. So if if that loss
0: helps Michigan come March and April, I'm totally cool with it. It's a good point, and you got a chance for revenge coming up uh, pretty soon here. You're going to be in the house in East Lansing. I think it's March 10th when the rematch uh, takes place there.
1: I don't think I'll be at that one. I I try to stay out of East Lansing as much <laughs> as possible. So I, they don't like me too much there. So I'll, I'll probably just sit home and watch that one on the couch.
0: I don't blame you too much. Uh, I, I know they're friendly there, but you know it's it's easy for me to say. That's much harder for uh, someone like yourself to walk into to that environment. Uh, I'm glad you pointed out Beeline's quote though, because I noticed you retweeted and kind of added and piggybacked your thoughts on another coach's quote. Uh, Matt Painter, when he was talking back in December, I believe, when Purdue was at 6-5, and you know, a world away from where they are now in contention for a Big Ten title, and it was his comments after they lost to Notre Dame. They, They kind of went viral on social media. He was saying about his players but kind of also college basketball players in general, you have to get over yourself. You have too many guys searching for answers through their jump shot. And since he said that, Purdue's 15-2, and two, and like I said, in the driver's seat for a Big Ten title, and you kind of jumped on those comments and said, you know, Painter's absolutely right, and I definitely didn't want to hear that when I was in college, and these guys need to, to understand, like, and have better perspective that, you know, it's hard to hear for a college athlete. So can you take us inside that perspective of kind of an 18- to 22-year-old kid and the adjustment that it takes, and, and how Painter was able to kind of maybe wake them up through those comments?
1: yeah for sure um first off coach Payne is like the king of sound bites, so that was that was an awesome quote and definitely something that resonated with me um but at the end of the day i mean you know these kids are you know 18 to 22 especially the the younger kids who are coming in as freshmen and sophomore you know their entire lives they've been told they're the greatest thing since sliced bread right um you know the stars of their high school team scored all the points and now you come into college and you know you're coming off the bench you're a role player um you got people at home, you know, whether it's family or friends, you know, telling you like, Oh, that's BS. You should be playing, you should be starting. Um, and that, that sort of stuff is just kind of toxic. And it just, it's, it eats away at you as, you know, an 18 or 19 year old kid. Um, so I think he really did a good job of, you know, putting it into perspective. Um, you know, and I think you've seen his team come a long way and they've, I think a large part of their success is they've all kind of bought in, you know, and they've started to find their identity and, and, each individual players kind of figured out their roles. You know, obviously Carson is, is their guy, you know, who's, who's going to score a lot of the points, but, um, the other guys in that team can affect the game in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, and I think coach paint just, you know, he keeps it 100 and, you know, he's a really, really good, genuine dude. And, you know, um, that's that's something that a lot of kids might not want to hear, but they need to hear. You know, and Coach Payne isn't afraid to speak his mind.
0: Yeah, you said he's the king of sound bites. Why do you think he's so good at not only relaying those messages, but also extracting, like you said, the potential out of players—not to be the stars, but to adapt to a role like uh, Dakota Mathias or Ryan Klein or Grady Eifert has done uh, as their careers have evolved.
1: Um. Well, two things. I think first, you could say a lot of things about Coach Payne and this or that and whatever. But, like, the one thing I respect a ton about Coach Payne, he said this from from day one when he recruited me. He was like, Spike, this or that, blah, blah, blah. He goes, but I'll tell you what. He goes, I'll never lie to you. You know, and I was like, okay, like, what does that mean? But, like, he shoots it straight, you know, and he'll let you know if, know, if, if you're messing up. And, like, I remember when I was there. You know, I had no reason to complain about you know, not playing a because, you know, I've, I wasn't better than, than the guy next to me. And, you know, um, I think he does a great job of, you know, just telling the truth and um, being honest with you. And, and I think that speaks a lot to his character, but it also resonates when, with players. I mean, I think that's why they play so hard for him. Um, And then, I'm sorry, can you repeat the, the second part of your question?
0: No, I mean, you pretty much answered it there. That, that's really good okay. insight because... I think as observers, we don't always know about those conversations that go on behind the scenes. But you know, for him to to just be straight up with you, to keep it 100, like you said, that's the type of stuff that you know is interesting to hear. Especially with you never know, maybe not coaches. Um, I don't have any coaches in mind, but like you just know about coaches that will blow smoke or, or not be straight up, and 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 then players are wondering why they're sitting on the bench. So that, that's good to know. Uh, one more Purdue question about this this season. Are you kind of surprised that the turnaround has been so dramatic that they went from, you know, 500 team pretty much through December to now a Big Ten title contender, a top 10 team, or, or not really? Did you kind of see this potential in them even early on when there were some struggles?
1: Uh, you know, I'll be honest, man. I, I didn't see them, you know, doing a full 180 like this. You know, I expected them to get, get it going and, you know, be at the top, you know, four or five, top half of the league. Um, you know to be to be up there though in the driver's seat alongside Michigan State. Um, I think they're I think they fourteen and three now in conference. Yeah, fourteen and three. Um, I believe. Yeah. I mean it's it's incredible what Coach Pink's done, especially. I mean, you look at what they lost losing four seniors and you know shoot like over seventy five percent of their scoring or whatever it was. Um, you know, in, in in my mind, in my opinion, I mean, he's got to be the front runner for for coach of the year, not only you know in the Big Ten, but also maybe you know. Nationally,
0: yeah, no arguments here uh spike I'm curious you know we're we're about the same age we, we got out of college around the same time, and obviously you know as you move on, people will fall out of your social circles, whether that's a basketball team or just you know the, the people you kept up with while in school so I'm curious who are some of the guys that you, whether it's Michigan or Purdue, keep up with the most to this day, maybe two or three guys that you, you might have in a group chat or still keep up with on Snapchat or Instagram. Um, does anyone jump out at you from from your boys from college?
1: Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll start first with Michigan. Um, I definitely keep up most, I'd probably say, with, you know, Kara Silver, Nick Stalskis. I was actually with Glenn Robinson in Ann Arbor this weekend, um, along with Zach Novak. Obviously, he was a little bit older, but, but me and Zach go way back. Um, and then from Purdue, I know I was only there for a year, but, Grady Eifert, who's still on the team now, um, he's one of my really close friends. And then um, both Dakota Mathias and, and P.J. Thompson, we all we all keep in pretty good contact. So um, it's always fun to, to reconnect with those guys and, you know, share stories and things like that.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Karis because when he got hurt earlier this season, just scrolling through your Twitter timeline, obviously you were very distressed, like everyone in the Michigan community was. And then when he came back and got that standing ovation uh, with the Nets – you tweeted that he's one of your favorite human beings of all time. Uh, what puts him in that category in your eyes? What makes him so special?
1: <laughs> Man, I love Karis, dude. Um, me and Karis, I mean, shoot, we we were at Michigan four years together. We we roomed together for three years, well, you know, our, our sophomore, junior, and senior year. Um, you know, so we became very close. But um, he's just an awesome guy. He's just a great dude. He's got a good heart. Um, but he's been through a lot, you know, uh, not just in basketball, but. Um, in life, and then to suffer the injuries he's had, and then just to come back every time—you know—it um, just shows the the resiliency and, and the toughness that that kid has, um, you know. But above all, he's just a really good dude, and, and I love the death.
0: Now, on the flip side, uh, uh, your, your Purdue alums that you listed—I thought it was funny this year that one, Grady Eifert's emerged and he's made a name for himself. But I thought it was funny when we kind of had some fun on Twitter with. His brother, I think we tagged uh, his brother Tyler, the NFL tight end, in a tweet and wanted to get his attention with one of Grady's highlights here at BTN. And Tyler responded, "Uh, from now on, refer to me as Grady Eifert's brother. I don't know if you saw that, but I thought it was pretty funny.
1: No, I did. I did. That was hilarious. Um, Eiferts, they're awesome. They're great people, actually. I went on vacation with them um, following my my fifth year there at Purdue. So I know their whole family really well. And um, Ty's a great dude. Um, but I love Grady. I'm like, I'm the biggest Grady fan. Is, is he not the toughest dude in college basketball? I mean, that dude, he just lays his body on the line every single game. Um, and I'm I'm so happy that he's finally getting, you know, he's getting to play and he's getting the recognition because he's, he's certainly put in put in the hard work over his four years.
0: I mean, you got to be tough for your brother in an NFL tight end or else, you know, you're, you're not going to fare very well at home when, when scuffles break out and stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm sure he's taken a lot of – Whoopings at home from Ty because Ty's a big, strong dude, and um, they're all—they're a football family, so they're all nuts. But um, you know, Grady's awesome, and he plays—he plays like a football player on the basketball court. Um, and I know they love him there, and the fans love him. Um, they were going nuts for him last night, so it's—it's it's fun to see. All
0: right, Spike. Well, Big Ten tournament's coming up here in a couple weeks. You're an Indiana kid. You obviously like Chicago. Lived here for a, a period of time, you played in several of these Big Ten tournaments. So. It's weird because it, it's the first time it's back in Chicago in four years. I think it's been a three-year uh, hiatus as it kind of jumped around a little bit. And you played in, in several of the sites. So if you had to pick any of the hosting sites for the Big Ten tournament, that includes United Center here in Chicago, Banker's Life in Indy, where it switched off between those two for most of the years. And I think you would have played in the Capital One Arena, Verizon Center in D.C., yeah. and then MSG last year in New York, uh, which by the time – um, that came around, you were gone. So, if you had to pick any of those sites to host, what would it be?
1: Man, I I gotta go with Chicago. I think that's where it belongs. Um, yeah, obviously, I didn't get to play um, when it was in New York, but I played in the Garden before. Um, but I just love it. I love it when it's in Chicago. I think I think that's the best. And obviously, I'm biased. You know, I I live 45 minutes from Chicago, um, but I'm I'm pumped that it's back, and I will definitely be in attendance. Um, for this year's tournament, for sure.
0: Awesome, yeah. We'll see you there. Did you? You said you played in the garden. Were you at any of those tournament games last year when Michigan went on that run?
1: You know, I was not. Um, I I couldn't make it all the way out there. Unfortunately, um, I figured I'd I'd save up and and try to go to some of the tournament games instead. So I'm glad I did.
0: Yeah, wise investment. not to, to the
1: final four <laughs> for sure? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt.
0: <laughs> but like, you know, obviously, I understand the the fans. Um, being upset if you know I was at New York MSG every year. But last year, I don't know if it was just because the games were great, but there was a vibe there that I think is worth you know returning to maybe once every five, eight years. I think there's value there. I know Big Ten fans don't want to hear it uh, for the most part, the ones in the Midwest, but it was pretty cool being at MSG. What was it like when you were played there um, and what I assume was – like the two K classic or, or just one off game. What, what was that experience like?
1: Yeah, it was um it was my freshman year. It was the the preseason nit and it was nuts. Um no, so I don't have any like anything bad to say about it. Being in New York or um, out in DC, I just I'm just biased because I'm from Chicago. But like especially in New York, you know, Michigan, like Michigan's fan base and alums out there, you know, it's crazy. So every time Michigan goes to play in New York, it feels like a home game. Um, and I know talking with the coaches and the teams from last year, they said it was it was nuts. Um, but I just I couldn't make the trip, so I was kind of pissed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I do agree with you, though, that when it's in Chicago, it's it's awesome. Uh, with the arena now, I think kind of being upgraded since the last time it was here, and the the area around there with the bars and restaurants um, being a little more developed than last time, I think it's going to be awesome here in a couple weeks. I like Indy, too, just because Indy's such a great event city. Um, and, yeah, like I said, I know people don't want to hear it, but I think if it went back to the East Coast like once in a while, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But uh, it's going to be cool to see you, you know, back here, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get a chance to catch up when you're uh, around on the sidelines here. Um, but I have to ask before before I let you go, a couple more Chicago-based questions because I noticed you uh, are a Chicago fan by the looks of your uh, Twitter timeline. So, first oh, yeah. off, n- need your thoughts on the Bears. Um, have you – recovered yet from the traumatic experience of being Cody Parkied and, and having the season come to an abrupt end like it did?
1: I was absolutely disgusted. Um, <laughs> like, I'm just disgusted, you know. But, like, I don't know. I mean, for them not to get rid of him earlier, like, you know, that was poetic justice. You knew what you were going to get. Um, but, like, I, I don't have a, like, hey, he missed a field goal, stuff happened. Like, I wasn't going to hate on him. I'm not one of those fans because I know what it's like to, like, you know to fail and you know miss big shots or whatever but when he's on good morning america like the next day or so that was just that took me over the edge like i was like i'm done with this dude so i'm I'm glad they got rid of him yeah that's what
0: that was gonna be my follow-up is like the whole good morning america from like a high-level college athlete perspective can you imagine a teammate doing that after i don't know missing three free throws to to lose a game or something like that
1: yeah no it's it's disgusting. Like it, it drives me nuts. Like if I'm his teammates, I'm like, what in the hell is this guy doing? Especially because they just they backed him the entire time in the locker room. You know when, you know these dudes are out there laying their you know their bodies on the line for 60 minutes, you know all season long, and then you know you got one job as a kicker. I know it's a <laughs> lot harder than it. <laughs> I know it's a lot harder than it sounds, but like, dude, come on.
0: Yeah, I'm Jesus. with you. I'm with you. Total lack of self awareness to go on GMA, and oh. I don't want to hear any more about. The fact that it was tipped. Like it was only tipped because he couldn't no. get it over the line. Like it was a weak kick, let's just be honest.
1: Yeah. No. He I mean it doesn't matter. It was tipped. He wasn't gonna make it anyways. Everybody knew that.
0: <laughs> this is turned yeah, into he, m- made
1: the, he made the first one because he knew they were gonna call timeout, so it was absolutely no pressure. You know, and then the second one I was like, oh we're screwed.
0: Yeah, this turned into a meatball Chicago sports fan discussion. Yep. Uh I, I gotta move on to your other your other uh Chicago based team that we share. A uh, fandom of, and that's the the Cubs. What are your thoughts on this off season as spring training heats up? I've been kind of, you know, not disgusted but disappointed in in their lack of activity. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little bit worried, especially when, you know, some of the teams in in our division are making such great moves. Um, you know, like the Cardinals got better, uh, the Pirates got better. Obviously, Milwaukee's good. Um, so I was just, I was a little surprised, especially with with the money the Cubs got. I thought for sure they'd they try to go acquire some big names. Um I think we're running out of time. So I'm hoping you know, I'm hoping guys get healthy. I'd I'd love to see you Darvish pitch this year. You know, we paid him more money than God, so you know, I hope he gets back on the mound for us. Um, but <laughs> I don't know, who knows. Yeah. Hopefully I,
0: you know, I, you know. it it's it's a good sign that we're at this point as Cubs fans because if you look back like five years Think that we would be with the World Series in the bag, you know, complaining, <laughs> complaining. that we don't have like another 100, 200, 300 million dollar free agent. It, I think we would take it, but uh, it's nice to kind of be not, you know, not quite at the Red Sox level of fandom yet, but at least a point where we can expect to uh, contend for a, a championship or at least demand that from our, from our front office.
1: Yeah, no, no, 100%. He's come, he's come a long way, but I feel like in sports, like your window. Unless you're the Patriots, like your window to compete and win championships is like very short, right? So I'm just hoping we aren't like letting that you know slip through our fingers.
0: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Granted, That's not to say I'm complacent know? or anything like that. Like I, yeah, I'm disappointed oh, well, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, but yeah. We'll have to, you know, we'll have to see how it turns out. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure, if you're if you're at Wrigley, you know this this summer, let me know. That's my neck of the woods. I'm, I'm sure uh, I'll get to a handful of games as well. I'm looking forward to better weather. So. Um, uh, no doubt, Spike. Before I let you go, one more question. This might ruffle some feathers, but uh, I gotta ask it. Having been to both of these places at your <laughs> your two past campuses, um, if you had to choose, and I picked these. You can you can actually choose the your favorite restaurant at Michigan and Purdue. But I just picked these because they're the most they're the most well known um, at their respective towns. So I picked Zingerman's and Triple X um, at Purdue one, are those even your two favorite restaurants at those places? Or are they well-known? And if not, feel free to pick another. But which would you have to go with if you had to pick the top restaurant um, in Ann Arbor and West Lafayette?
1: No, definitely definitely both are very well-known. Um, obviously, I was at Michigan for four years, so um, I know a little bit more of their restaurants. But if I had to pick between the two, I'm, I'm like, when it comes to food, I try to eat somewhat healthy. So Triple X is like, like a late night smash. Like, (laughs) um, I would, I would go with Zingerman's, but maybe my favorite place in Ann Arbor is, uh, it's, it's like a place no one knows really. It's called Frida's Batitas. Um, it's stupid. Awesome. You should, next time you're in Ann Arbor, um, it's fire. So that would be my recommendation in Ann Arbor.
0: All right. marking it down. I've had some really good food in Ann Arbor. It's great food, uh, college town, great food city. So, I'll just add it Definitely. to the list. And, uh, Spike, it's yeah. always it's always a great discussion when I uh, have you on. Like I said, I'm sure we'll catch up here in person soon, but uh, always appreciate the insight, uh, especially coming from two you know, of college basketball's best programs. Always great to have you on, like I said.
1: Absolutely, man. I appreciate you
0: having me. All right, thanks once again to Spike for joining me, taking some time. Spike's one of the uh, genuine good dudes in recent college basketball easy guy to root for and always easy guy to talk to always enjoy having him on the podcast i'm sure it won't be the last time all right as i said at the top of the show after spike we got a stat hit segment with harold shelton go behind the numbers of big 10 basketball especially uh, with march arriving and the big 10 tournament right around the corner and march madness beyond that Uh, great guy to talk to as always and we'll get right into it now it's btn researcher harold shelton Alright, back in the lab once again with BTN Researcher, Harold Shelton, for our Static
2: segment. It's been a few weeks, H. How you been? It's been good, man. You know, we're just about at March now, so, you know, it's the grind is real and you get a lot of scenarios coming up. Things are getting sorted out, so it's a fun time.
0: Yeah, last day of February we're recording this, so you know I had to get you back in here. Uh, down the stretch we come now and not a whole lot has changed as far as the Big Ten picture is concerned since we last chatted, but what has changed is situations these teams are in especially when it comes to your alma mater michigan state spartans and credit to them for still being in a you know a position to win the league at least to share potentially outright with nick ward going out since we last talked so how they've been able to do that how did they ride out that three-game losing streak and uh turn that into a five-game winning streak
2: uh so i think a lot of the three-game losing streak was effort related um the first half the first 30-ish minutes of the Purdue game. Purdue just completely took it to them. You know, I think that was more Purdue wanting it more. Michigan State dug too big of a hole to come back against a really good team on the road. No shame in losing that. Uh, The Indiana game, I thought Indiana just played harder. I thought Michigan State just kind of figured with the week off and game day being there that they would just kind of roll at home, and that wasn't the case. And Illinois punched them in the mouth. You know, same thing as the Purdue game, you know, get them down big early. And, you know, they made a rally, but, you know, Illinois was able to hold them off. And I think after that third loss, it was kind of like, hey, guys, maybe we aren't as good as, you know, people are saying or as people thought. We need to go back to the drawing board and start defending better, start rebounding better. They've been able to do that. And without Ward, their defense has been even better, uh, especially in that Michigan game. Xavier Tillman allows them to do a lot of things that they can't do with Ward, they can switch a lot of pick and rolls. Uh, Tillman's a better rebounder. I think he's more athletic. So the fact that Ward's out definitely hurts them on offense. It hurts their transition game. But defensively, it allows them to really lock in, especially switching on pick and rolls with uh, Teske and Simpson. We saw that they were kind of neutralized for most of that second half. Looking
0: at some of that footage that our BTN Journey guys collected, and I think it's going to come out in this week's episode, but we, we shared some of on social media, of footage from the post-game locker room and Izzo celebrate with the guys and he looked as happy as I've seen him since you know I've been following Michigan State legitimately overjoyed at their effort uh, after they beat Michigan how has he been able to bring along some of the role players um, and who do you think has really stepped up you mentioned Tillman is one maybe on the perimeter who has stepped up for Michigan State um, as you know they've had to look elsewhere for production on offense
2: well I think and you'll see it probably next Saturday for senior day I mean Matt McQuaid and Kenny Goins I mean those are two guys who when they first started playing you did not think they would have this level of production Matt McQuaid was known as a knockdown shooter coming out of high school and now he's an all big 10 defender who happens to hit 40 percent from three uh you know last couple of years he had confidence issues you know he would be scared to shoot that you definitely don't see that this year he's you know willing and able to make threes and he's been erasing wings all throughout the league all year kenny goins has somehow become a stretch four <laughs> who's hitting like 35 percent of his threes yeah. as a guy who barely even shot threes before this year and you know he's averaging nine rebounds a game at six seven so i mean these are guys that have just you know continue to get better ever since uh they stepped on campus you know they're grinders like izzo is and so i think you'll see you know, Both of those guys, when they get honored next Saturday, he'll be very emotional because they're very much like him.
0: Yeah, McQuaid is this year's Dakota Mathias pretty much. Same yep. type of story. I remember him uh, on Purdue coming in and not being able to defend guys in practice, getting beat up, and then turning himself into a uh, really good defender as well as a, uh, a sharpshooter on, on the perimeter. So speaking of Purdue, now that's going to be Michigan State's, uh, who, who they're keeping an eye on You know, the rest of the way here, especially... With the games that Purdue has coming up, they got Ohio State at home, and then at Minnesota, and at Northwestern to close it out. So, uh, just as a you know Michigan State fan, obviously you've been playing the scenarios out. Which which game do you think they're most likely to drop
2: out of those last three? Uh, they're obviously going to be favored going into all three. Uh, I would say at Minnesota is probably the best chance for a loss, um, just because Purdue has struggled on the road. You know, at Mackey, they've been virtually unbeatable, I mean, especially in the second half of games. You know, we've seen them struggle for a half against, you know, Penn State or Illinois, and in the second half they, you know, put the Jets on and, uh, you know, just leave teams in their dust. But on the road, you know, they survived a rock fight at Indiana, only scoring 48 points. You know, Nebraska pushed them to the wire. It was only a three-point game. You know, Carson Edwards has been hit or miss on the road. You know, Matt Harms and Grady Eifert have had to save them multiple times. And so the fact that that game's at the barn, Minnesota could be very desperate to try to get, you know, a quad one win and kind of help out their tournament resume. If, if a loss will happen, it's probably there. I think
0: Wednesday the stat was 38-39 to 39 at home for Mac, uh, at Mackey Arena for Purdue. So uh, it's crazy what they've been able to do. And I'm going to continue to eat my words because a few months ago, I think when we were heading into uh, the reboot of the Big Ten season, I said how, you know, Purdue's in, in some trouble here. I think they were 6-5 and five or 8-6 and six at the time. And not only have they, uh, you know, played themselves out of any sort of concern that they're – in the driver's seat for the Big Ten title race. It's been remarkable, and uh, I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, as we kind of reflect now on what's been a very good season, regardless of how it finishes, how they did it in a year, what was supposed to probably be a step back for them.
2: You know, it, it's, it's funny how it works when I mean, you had a bunch of seniors last year, a bunch of sweat equity, you know, guys who, you know, scored 1,500 points. They had to the balance, but I don't know how – Physically tough they were They were very skilled They were efficient guys But You can kind of Punch them in the mouth And they might waver Like Texas Tech did To them in the tournament These guys These are a Tough This is a tough Tough group I mean No gel Eastern Gritty defender Grady Eifert Gritty defender You know Matt Harms Has found his role You know He struggled In that early part Of the year Painter sent him To the bench He's responded Now he's a force In the paint You know Blocking shots, you know, had 10 rebounds against Illinois, had nine the game before that. So, this is just a really, really tough group. Uh, They've got a gifted scorer leading the way, and obviously, when he's hot, they can beat anybody. Um, But even when he's not, those role players still give them a chance. And when you got a senior like Ryan Klein hitting, you know, 45% of his threes, you know, that's a recipe for, for success.
0: Yeah, and the reason, you know, Purdue's sitting, well, not Purdue, but the reason Michigan State. Uh, has a good chance to, to walk away with at least a share um, as they, you know, follow Purdue this weekend is because they took care of Michigan. So, lumping Michigan into this discussion, um, Michigan kind of looked like the favorite, at least for the first half of the Big Ten season when they were sitting at 17-0 and or whatever, um, talking about the elite teams in the Big Ten. I was watching ESPN, or I think I saw it maybe on a social media clip, of uh, the ESPN College Basketball Show with Jay Williams and Seth Greenberg, They were debating whether the Big Ten has a Final Four-caliber team uh, among its ranks. I want to get your thoughts on that. Jay Williams did not think that the Big Ten has a Final Four-caliber team. I think Seth Greenberg smartly pointed out that you didn't think last year they would have, and Michigan had to open up for them in the tournament. To their credit, they they seized an opportunity and made it all the way to the championship game. So I want to get your thoughts on Jay Williams' comments that there's no uh, Final Four-caliber team. Uh,
2: Agree, disagree? What do you think? Uh, I mean, I would disagree with that. I I think both Michigan schools have a really good chance. Um, Obviously, so much of it is dependent on Mm matchups. I mean, the Michigan State team of last year just kind of ran into a bad matchup. And like you said, Michigan, once they got by Houston, the bracket opened up for them. They were able to play, you know, Florida State, who was a nine seed and... You know, they got to play uh, A&M, who was a 7 in the Sweet 16. So, you know, so much of it is about the bracket and about matchups, and if a team gets upset, does that open up the bracket for you? Um, But I think two teams like Michigan, Michigan State, that play defense the way they do, they're both in the top 10 in defensive efficiency, you know, that travels. And so if you can play defense and and shoot the three well, you got a chance to beat anybody. Uh, Michigan right now has struggled to shoot the ball, but you wonder when they get out of conference play, you get out of this 20-game grind where everybody knows what you're going to do on every single set. Right. You start playing some teams that aren't as familiar with you. You know, maybe they they get that spark back, and you start seeing Poole make shots again, and Matthews and Dacus can get going at the same time, which we really haven't seen much of.
0: Right. Other teams outside of those top three that we talked about, outside of Michigan, Michigan State. In Purdue, like is a Maryland or Wisconsin a threat? I think that those go back to some of the matchups or in the familiarity you talked about. You know, Maryland's got as much talent as uh, you know about as any upper echelon team in college basketball. Wisconsin can give teams fits depending on who they are or um, who they're going up against. So, do you think there's teams outside of that top three that that have a potential deep tourney run in them? I've been saying Iowa if they get things figured out in the first half. You know, and stop having to rely on uh, late game heroics. That they've got potential just because they can shoot so well when things are clicking.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, Maryland is super talented. Um, in addition to their front line with Bruno and Jalen Smith, you know, Anthony Cowan's a guy who's got experience that can make plays late. That they've got Wiggins and Ayala who can both shoot to three. I mean, they turn it over a little bit too much for me. So if they play a team that pressures the ball, I can see them having an issue. But um, you know, if they Get stuck, not want to get say get stuck, but if they wound up playing the transition game, I would take Maryland. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they got a lot of lot of length and a lot of athleticism. Uh, Iowa, they definitely have, you know, size and athleticism. They like to push the pace. You know, they're the leading scoring team in the Big Ten, and they got a guy who can make shots when it counts, and Jordan Bohannon. So, their their biggest issue is defending. And so if they go into it like they did against Ohio State the other night, it might be a one-and-done situation for them. But if they actually buy in on defense, I could see them being a second-weekend team.
0: Why do you think Iowa has been so enigmatic? Has it been because their defense is still lacking? I mean, we we talked about, or at least I I looked into um, Iowa's defensive numbers as opposed to the last two years when they were one of the worst teams in the country. They've at least moved in the middle of the pack now. In college basketball. So, do you think it stems from just the defense still not being good enough to, uh, you know, have them blow teams out? Or is the offense an issue uh, and the reason why they are playing from behind, you know, and and they need Bohannon to hit these crazy threes like we've seen? I think some of it is
2: the fact that they're not a good man to man defensive team. It seems like when they get back in the game, it's because, you know, they're able to force turnovers when they start that press, that mm-hmm. three-quarter court press. Uh, sometimes they'll drop back into the zone, force teams to shoot over the top, and then if they get a long rebound, they can push the pace and run, which is what they want to do anyway. Uh, if you put them in a half court, I think they really do struggle to score sometimes, which is crazy considering that like Garza's a skilled post player and Bohannon can shoot. But Tyler Cook. T- Tyler there, Cook, yeah. exactly. But sometimes they just don't take the best shots, and it seems like they've kind of – Hey, you know, we'll wait till the last four or five minutes. And, you know, we've pulled these games out before, so why can't we do it again? And they also have so many skilled
0: offensive players. You know, exactly. I, I think that sometimes, if
2: you have a lot of skilled offensive
0: players, but not one or two necessarily go to guys. The rhythm kind of gets thrown
2: off right? Bit. Like we, Right, like Joe Wieskamp's a really good player. yeah. Right? And sometimes he just doesn't get enough shots. And right. Isaiah Moss, he'll get you for 21 game, and he'll get you for three in another one. Like, they're just, it's a lot of guys you don't know who's going to show up on a given day. Do you think
0: Fran being suspended these next two games is going to affect them at all? It's just, you know, from a chemistry
2: standpoint or a distraction standpoint? Uh, I would say no, just because there's a lot of veterans on that team, you know, I would say, you know, Bohannon being an upperclassman, Nicholas Bear being an upperclassman, Tyler Cook being an upperclassman. I think that should be enough. Um, you know, he he will be there for Senior Day. He won't coach the game, obviously, but he'll be there for the festivities against Rutgers. Uh, I assume they'll he'll be missed when they play at Wisconsin after that. But I think just the fact that they've got enough upperclassmen, they can rally the troops for those two games.
0: All right, moving on. Before we wrap up, we have to touch on Penn State and what they've been able to do since starting 0 and 10 in the Big Ten. Have you ever seen a team that one not only looks the part? You know, they got some legit dudes on that roster, uh, and it's backed up in their advanced metrics. You know, they're 45 in Ken Some teams, if they were that high and the record was flipped, they were 16 and 12, not 12 and 16, they'd be probably a tournament team right now. You seen a team that uh, you know looks the part, both? numbers wise eye test wise that just hasn't got the results that fell so far
2: behind that it, it's too late unless they run the table in the tournament well I think part of it is that we know Lamar Stevens has been great we know Josh Reed has just been solid uh they didn't have Mike Watkins for mm-hmm. a big portion of non-conference and you know he has some off-the-court stuff I guess but the biggest thing has been the freshmen Dred and Bolton they kind of struggled early. Yep. They kind of struggled to find their role, find their footing. And during this win streak, though, they have been great. Like, Dredd has been great in the Maryland game. He was great in the Michigan game. We saw Bolton take over uh, part of the Michigan game and part of the Illinois game. So now you don't have to just rely on Lamar Stevens taking a tough shot. You don't have to just rely on Josh Reeves You know, getting a steal in transition. You don't have to just dump it into Mike Watkins and hope he doesn't get into foul trouble. Like Dredd and Bolton can space the floor. Like they could shoot the three. Bolton, we've seen him, you know, pump fake and take guys to the rack as well. So, I mean, they've got a nice five or six players, and Jamari Wheeler sets the tone for their defense. So they're a team I definitely wouldn't want to play in Chicago, I'll tell you that much. Yeah,
0: they're a legit scary team right now. And, and it, what does it mean outside of them not, you know, obviously not quitting on Chambers and playing good basketball and, and getting some feel-good wins for the program. I mean anything beyond that? Like, can they make the NIT this year and build on this? Is there positive momentum to be gained outside of, you know, this several-week stretch here?
2: Uh, I think there can be for the younger guys. You know, I think if Dredd and Bolton continue to play well, that could be a nice springboard for sophomore seasons. Uh, you know, Lamar's a junior. I'm not sure if he's going to try to test the waters or mm-hmm. not, um, but he's playing at a first-team all-Big Ten level right now. Um it does make you wonder what if, like, what if they could have figured it out a little earlier? Well, you know, what if they didn't lose to Bradley? Right. You know, what if they start three and seven instead of zero and ten in Big Ten play? You know, what if they hold on against Purdue or get the foul call on Lamar Stevens that they should have got in that game? Like, right. how much different, you know, does this Penn State season look? It's definitely uh, an interesting situation. Um, I'll be curious to see if know they finished their regular season strong and do, if they win a couple games Chicago to get to the quarters uh, you know does that change anything going forward it'll be interesting to see. I can see NIT inviting them back you don't have to be 500
0: anymore to, to get a bid and they won it last year they're clearly in that range of right. teams so we'll have to see. Um, one more discussion I want to get to before we wrap up that's the player of the year discussion uh, Cassius Winston's been a candidate all year long Edwards at Purdue and Ethan Happ kind of been the other two guys. Do you see any sort of debate at this point? Or uh, as, as most people have kind of come to that consensus, do you think it's it's Cassius from from your Spartans that uh, is going to walk away with the bag? Uh,
2: so it looked like for a while, you know, it was, you know, Carson, Hap, and Winston. Winston kind of seemed like the leader over those two. And there was a week where none of them played well. Mm-hmm. You know, like Carson would go out and he would shoot terribly. And you know, Cassius would go three for fifteen, and Hap would get benched late in the game because he couldn't make free throws, and then that kind of continued. And then last week happened: Ward goes out, Winston drops twenty-eight on Rutgers, then twenty-seven in the win against Michigan, and now he's averaging nineteen and seven on the first-place team. It's kind of hard for me to see him not winning it right. at this point. Um, you know, the only guys to average nineteen and seven from a power league this decade, or Cassius, Denzel Valentine, Trey Young, and Pierre Jackson. Pretty good the list. Right. So, I mean, he leads, the, he leads the league in plus minus. Uh, you know, he's won Big Ten player of the week five times already. So, it's kind of hard for me to see anybody else winning this award. All right. Last uh, topic here Big Ten
0: tournament coming up. I'm sure we'll talk before then, but we've already got a couple of. First, or double bus locked up, um, top four seeds. That's Purdue, Michigan State, yep. correct? All right, so we talked about them plenty, but there's one statistic I want to get to with Michigan State uh, in regards to every single Big Ten tournament. I think this is the 22nd Big Ten tournament. What has Michigan State done all 22 years? Uh, it's something I find unbelievable,
2: honestly. Yeah, they're the only team that's played all quarterfinal Friday all 22 years. And so – that means that they've either gotten the double bye to get to that point, or they've had to, you know, win a game on Thursday to get to that point. You know, they're, they've been the only team to do it. I think Wisconsin is is at twenty, possibly could be twenty one, depending on this year. I think they're lost in Nebraska a couple of years ago in Indy. It was the only time they didn't make it to quarterfinal Friday, but it is pretty amazing considering, you know, the how this league is and how upsets happen and how ter- crazy the tournament it is that only one team has gotten to the quarters every single year. Yeah, unbelievable consistency,
0: and that's
2: why we have you here, H, for the juicy
0: stats like that. So,
2: uh, hey, Shout-out to Purdue. I mean, this is five straight years with a double bye. I mean, yeah. that's that's hard to do, and 14 Big Ten wins for three straight years. I mean, Matt Painter's done a really, really good job.
0: Yeah, that was an impressive uh, stat graphic that they were showing on the Illinois-Purdue broadcast last night. I think it showed Purdue doing it twice in the last couple decades, and then Indiana was – or mm, who's the other, other team? It was team? Indiana. Okay. Yeah, I mean – elite company yep. um, especially for one program to have done it twice pretty basketball is uh, you know model consistency and props to them like you said props to Michigan State and H will uh, be continuing to talk in your busy time of year can't wait to catch up can't wait for uh, 14 games of the UC coming up it should be fun
2: oh yeah it'll be a whole lot of fun I actually get to see the Spartans in action against Nebraska I'm actually going up to the game in East Lansing next Tuesday I'll oh, enjoy it so sounds good to that.
0: All right, man, enjoy it, and we'll uh, get you back in here whenever possible. All right, sounds good. All right, thanks once again to Harold for joining me. There's always great stuff from him. Uh, nobody can dissect the Big Ten basketball scene better and, and you know, put some of those advanced numbers into layman's terms like H-CAN. I always appreciate talking to him and him giving up some of his time, especially during a busy time of year. All right, moving on to our final segment. As I referenced at the top of the show, it's another call for the culture segment with producer Colleen Degnan, who gets us caught up on the intersection of sports, pop culture, and any and everything else that's hot in the streets right now on social media, um, and just in you know society in general. We'll get to it, and we'll get to it right now. Let's toss it over to Colleen. All right, we're back with another call for the culture segment. I'm sitting alongside Colleen Degnan. Colleen, welcome back. Happy March. Happy
3: happy March. We are saying goodbye to February.
0: Absolutely, and I'm glad because February, I think, is my least favorite month out of uh, all 12 months. It, it's really brutal. There's, like, nothing really redeeming about it except it's short.
3: I mean, it short-changed itself.
0: Yeah. 28 days ago. Yeah. yeah, so that's, like, the best part about it because, really, February is full of slush, um, Not a great sports month. And we already talked about Valentine's Day a couple of weeks ago. So, it, you know, it's just not a great month overall. But March, which we're getting into, is uh, one of my favorites. So I'm, I'm glad we're here and we can get our green on.
3: Yeah, but in the meantime, we're saying bye to, bye to February as well as bye to Alex Hornibrook for the Badgers.
0: Yeah, you know, your former classmate at Wisconsin, you guys overlapped a little bit there. Surprising news came yesterday. I was surprised when we got that release from... Uh, the Badger Athletic Department, that Alex Hornerbrook's moving on. He's transferring to an uh, undetermined school. He's entered the transfer portal. That's the the term that has kind of sprung up it's this a year. late
3: to the game, though.
0: Do you want to bid farewell to your, your former class? You know, I mean, polarizing guy, Alex Hornerbrook?
3: Polarizing, and I think the Twitter universe is being a little bit harsh on him. I don't think he was nearly as bad as people are being, or as, dr- as dramatic as people are being about it, but I'm very okay to say goodbye to him. I'm very excited for Graham Mertz. Are
0: yeah, tell me about Graham Mertz, because the Wisconsin alums in the office, very high on him. Uh, what do I need to know?
3: We're high on him. He was um, an incredible recruit out of Kansas, I believe.
0: Okay, four-star guy, I think. And a okay, I mean, freshman coming He's going to
3: be a freshman. He had offers from across the SEC and the Big 12, and he chose Wisconsin, which is a great choice. He already sounds like a smart guy to me.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the release right now, and – You know, like we talked about, Hornibrook has um, some fans, but I think a lot of people aren't too sad to see him go. Stats uh, at his time in Wisconsin, uh, third all-time Badger history in touchdown passes of 47, fourth all-time in completion percentage, 60% over 60%, and fifth in passing yards. So those are some pretty lofty numbers and and records he probably would have broken if he would have stayed another year. So, you know, for all the – ups and downs he had. You can't argue with the, the numbers that he's one of the better quarterbacks in Badger history.
3: That's the thing, but it's going to be very controversial pending where he goes. If he ends up at another Big Ten school, let's say, even bigger X on his back, coming from a lot of Wisconsin fans, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I wonder if uh, that's a possibility. It's, it's so fresh and so recent right I now that uh, we haven't really gotten to potential destinations, but uh, it's, I think just the way college football is now, that transfers are going to be a thing pretty much throughout the spring. I mean, pe- quarterbacks will... Especially quarterbacks, because uh, obviously there's only really one spot in each team. We'll continue to move on. I mean, it's not even over yet because there's still guys that can graduate and potentially, you know, get that year without sitting out. So it'll be something to keep an eye on. And who knows? There are a couple teams in the Big Ten that can maybe use a, a, a experienced arm like Hornibrook. But I mean,
3: I guess. But yeah, football news with that. But also,
0: where well, he's not going is uh, the NFL at least not yet because uh, he's got that one more year. But The NFL is back in the news just a mere few weeks after the Super Bowl because we got the NFL Combine down in Indy. Um, First of all, I know you have takes on the NFL Combine, so so what are your overall thoughts on just the whole circus or or charade that that, uh, that week in Indy is?
3: I mean, it's hilarious and so much pressure. There's all of these random deliverables that they must do that is just so unrealistic of what they're actually going to be performing in the NFL like measuring their hand size and making such a stink over centimeters on their height and like catch me never giving out my height weight hand size for any job in my near future
0: well what's funny about it is kyler murray the oklahoma quarterback who was going to be heisman winner yeah heisman winner (laughs) is going to be you know probably a high draft pick everyone was freaking out because he was 5'10 and not 5'9 like that was the big news this week was he was measured at 5'10". Like, is it really going to make a difference if he's 5'9 and 7'8 yeah. as opposed to 5'10"? Apparently. Probably not. Um, funny thing about the combine, though, is I've heard it's just a big, pretty much party for all the execs and a lot of the scouts. and You know, there's people doing their jobs, but a lot of it is just a big convention, essentially, for a lot of NFL higher-ups, and they get to go hang out in Indy and eat a shrimp cocktail from St. Elmo's and basically live it up for four or five days. Um I don't know about your thoughts on Indy. You've gone for some of the games. What are your thoughts of it as a like as far as a party town goes?
3: I've I've endured some tough Badger losses there. So uh, in my eyes, the the lead up to the games are always a good time. But uh, I don't I don't I have not gone out after many times. I
0: mean, Indy to me is is perfect for these types of events because like everything I say it, you know, all the time leading up to Big Ten championship game like. There's a few streets they need to be on. All the hotels, all the restaurants, the convention center, the arena, is all in one place. So I can see why, you know, it's a destination, especially for a slow week in February. What would otherwise be just kind of a, you know, low key time of year. Definitely don't blame them at all. Um, moving on, I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk to about the combine. I know we've got some other professional sports stories, especially concerning your uh, favorite professional team the blazers like are
3: trending right now yeah. so hard and i love it
0: i feel like they've got the take 10 podcast bump because we, we talked about them <laughs> yeah. more than any of podcast podcasts outside of portland probably but we're giving
3: them a lot of love
0: yeah we're giving them a lot of love and now it's kind of like a uh, a feedback loop they're they keep popping up in the they news they do
3: we've got we've given them some positive karma i mean the city of boston needs to check out their elevators is that where it was uh yeah they got stuck in the elevators in boston
0: okay so for yeah people don't know what we're talking about I think it was on Wednesday this week, several members of the Blazers got caught and stuck in what is my worst nightmare, an elevator.
3: And it's like, it's an elevator full of professional NBA players, like... That is claustrophobic times 100.
0: Not small guys.
3: Not small guys. And the best part is their newest addition to the roster, and as is the one that's just filming them all, being the jokester. Like, he's just swooped in right there and is stealing the hearts of the Blazers fans, personally.
0: Enos is a fan favorite wherever he's been. He kind of really emerged in in, uh, New York as a member of the Knicks as being a fan favorite. You mentioned he just got traded to Portland. Who else was in that elevator?
3: Um, We had Evan Turner. You had Dame. You had Zach Collins. You had your boy, Myers Leonard. Yep. Um, a bunch of guys were in it. And so it's so funny. And when they then when they finally got out of it, like 30 minutes later, the a crowd had formulated around them, and they were all clapping and cheering.
0: I'm not kidding. It's one of my – it's not something I'm scared – I'm not scared of elevators, but, like, a dream of mine that is recurring is something going wrong in an elevator. Like, it's, it's something that will pop up every once in a while. And it's not that I get, like, stuck in them in my dreams, but I'll either drop through the floor <laughs> – or the elevator, like, will go past its floor and, like, go through the roof of the building. It's, like, it's, it's probably is, one of the scariest recurring is I have. Which impossible, but... Which is impossible, but... There's something about us. elevators that works its way into my nightmares, and I don't know what it is, but seeing them get out of the elevator, you know, because it, it didn't stop at the floor. No, like, they, they had, had to, to, like... They had to kind of crawl yeah. out. And I'm like, okay, it just broke. What's to stop it from just going? Right. I don't, I, I'm sure they, you know, were completely safe, and the uh, technicians knew what they were doing, but... It, that's what's something I hope never happens to me. I know it's going to because I take elevators many times a day. Yeah, you know, we work in we've
3: got a nice elevator you know, bank here, semi-tall
0: building. Yeah, so group on building exactly. Um,
3: but yeah, no, they got out safely as well as they um, got out of Boston with a win. So that's their fourth straight road win, and their road record is kind of trash. So this is they're on the up and up.
0: Where fill me in. Where are they at in the playoffs?
3: They're um, fourth in the West right now. Wow.
0: so much better than LeBron and the Lakers, who are yes. not even in the playoffs. How funny would that be if they miss? The, the
3: playoffs. I mean, by the way things are going, I won't be that surprised.
0: Yeah, but just like the fact that LeBron picked up and left Cleveland to set up a Hollywood Empire in L.A., and he's doing, you know, his HBO special. He's filming Space Jam. I mean, he's he's loving calling his out his clearly. younger teammates, and he's sitting out games due to load management. And then now it could all backfire. This year, but I, I mean, it's exactly
3: fair, the karma he deserves. To
0: be fair, people forget, or at least um, it's it's harder to uh, remember now that the first year of Miami Heat was not very smooth, and although they made the playoffs in the finals, right, it but was like, pretty rocky, and they lost, and there, and there were questions about LeBron because it was before he won any titles at all. So
3: I guess I don't know the scene as well down there, but there's probably a few less distractions that he's currently occupying himself with in Los Angeles, opposed, opposed to
0: Cleveland, yeah, for sure. So. But, um, Yeah, his his whole, you know, that's the thing. It just commands everyone's attention. So miss the playoffs, make the playoffs. Even if he misses it the headline's gonna be what's LeBron doing like is he gonna right. be at these NBA games is he gonna exactly. be working out is he gonna be on an island or somewhere is he gonna be in Cuba like just enjoying the Oscars? it doesn't matter the he's headlines too much of that stop. superstar
3: name that, yeah. Yeah, he's been like eight
0: straight finals or whatever so it's it's not gonna stop um, also
3: out of Portland though not just the Trailblazers but my favorite ad this week I gotta share
0: Okay, I was with it. my
3: girlfriends watching the Oscars on Sunday which yep. we can come back to and the Serena Williams Nike Dream Crazier ad had just came out and Just drops is what the it kids y- it Just drops, yeah. yeah. Uh, huge drop. And it's incredible. And it's this um, agency out of Portland, Wyden and Kennedy. And the whole ad is Serena Williams narrating, and it's about all these incredible female athletes that are defying the odds and kind of like the negative stereotypes and um, nicknames that women are called for get, being the best in their sport. And... Going to that next level, and so just like I've been doing every week, wanted to give a nice shout out to the to the agency behind that.
0: Well, it kind of focused on also not just being successful in their sport, but what they're labeled when things might go wrong, or when they're trying to motivate teammates or themselves being uh, over emotional, demonstrative, right? And whereas a guy like Tom Brady or LeBron or any man really in you know that level of the sport might get called fiery energetic exactly. and called Motivated. motivational a that's leader. the point I was trying to make exactly. right and I, you know obviously I can't speak to that but is that something that resonates with you that when you saw the ad you're like oh yeah I've totally
3: yeah I mean it. It, it's just like really empowering to see somebody as gifted and talented as Serena Williams backing all of this and you see like our professional soccer team and like the first female marathon runner and it's just like a really great ad in line with all of the other just do it Nike ads and Came from Portland, so we and in Kennedy. Nice job. Have you ever been to Portland? By no, way?
0: no. See, I mean, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> you, I was gonna say we, we, I would have guessed otherwise because the amount we talk about Seattle, Rip City, on
3: Se- <laughs> the unofficial Rip City podcast.
0: Exactly. Maybe someday we'll have to do a live pod from Rip City. Well, someday. when
3: they when they come to Chicago, yeah, March twenty seventh.
0: <laughs> you know, I applied for credentials for the Bulls Lakers game. For the night before the Big Ten tournament. So, Bulls and Lakers play March 12th right, at so United Center. why
3: would you get credentials listen, for this?
0: Listen, so Big Ten tournament starts March 13th and, at United <laughs> Center. And, you know, just because it's a big deal with the Lakers in town and there's a couple of Big Ten alums on those rosters. I think there's Mo Wagner on the Lakers. Right. Denzel Valentine on the Bulls, although he's been hurt all year. And then you just have LeBron coming in. It can never hurt to shoot your shot and try <laughs> to get in the doors. And maybe nice you know, maybe you, maybe metaphor. you work your way into the the scrum a little bit. Ask LeBron, hey, what do you think about the Big Ten tournament coming <laughs> here? He's a, an Ohio State fan, you know. It there's angles there. I wasn't expecting to get approved, but I thought, like I said, it's worth it you? to shoot your shot. No, I wasn't approved. Oh.
3: I was like, I was <laughs> I like thought hey, we were waiting for. Hey, it. And I'm going. <laughs> hey, hey, friends
0: of the Bulls, um, you know, I know you're probably busy that day. The media hordes <laughs> are probably swarming on Chicago. It's, I think it's LeBron's only visit this year to the United Center, um, but I thought you know maybe there's a Big Ten alum working in the office some somewhere in back in uh in uh, the back rooms on Madison Madison Street over there. But fortunately, um, all that being said, I, I was de- denied. So I'll only be at the United Center from March 13th <laughs> to March 17th, and there will be no LeBron James uh, quotes regarding the Big Ten tournament. So a shame. It was a missed opportunity.
3: I, I appreciate that.
0: Maybe, maybe next year in Indy, I can go to a Pacers game the night before.
3: <laughs> nice try, though. Nice try. It was
0: worth a shot. Um, moving on from the realm of sports to more of a entertainment, Hollywood. Do you want to do music or do you want to do Hollywood first? We can, we I can mean, start? I think no, there's a
3: nice intersectionality right there.
0: Okay. Uh, let's, let's hear it, then. You're, you're the expert.
3: Well, obviously, the Oscars happened this weekend, and Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, Shallow won best song. Okay. Which is my best takeaway from that. I thought the Oscars, there was no host, and it actually went very smoothly and well and got a lot more positive feedback well, than best, did last year. Is
0: best song, like, a normal From, an,
3: from an original, But like, is, that usually, original is
0: that usually a big deal, or is it just because Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper were it this year?
3: Um, I think that that hype definitely helped. Okay. But I want to say past winners include maybe Coco. Like, remember that animated Pixar movie?
0: Not really, hmm. to be honest.
3: You got some homework to
0: do. Okay, well, I didn't watch, much, like, that much of the off, uh, Oscars, but I did see that performance, uh, that steamy performance between Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Yeah, but you have a
3: horrible things. take
0: on it. I, okay. And this kind of ties into a discussion we were having before about how you you hate this term, but I I want to cancel Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. I would like to officially cancel them. So, it's just too much. Like, we already had to go through the Grammys with the whole shallow thing. Okay, like they get their victory lap, right? Great great movie, great song. Then two weeks later, we're seeing the whole thing again.
3: Okay, they're completely different entities. Grammys is music, Oscars are movies. I know, it was just a,
0: it was a little bit much. You know, it was a little much.
3: Okay, it's first of all, not too much. They did an incredible job. It was very moving. The internet loved it, except for you. Don't be this annoying outcast here. I
0: did see one tweet that went viral. I think it was from Bum Chillups, who was a college football writer for SB Nation, I think. Don't quote me on that. But anyway, he tweeted that... Bradley Cooper when he sings is just doing the same voice that every guy sings when they sing Pearl Jam in the car or something like that, which is like I I don't even know that many Pearl Jam songs, but I just thought it was funny. Like
3: I could maybe sing even flow and just doing the guttural voice. um, But okay, secondly, canceled. That is not a term that should be used this frequently. You can't cancel somebody else doing something. You have no control over that. You can unfollow it. You can unsubscribe. Don't cancel what they're doing. You can't. They're not going to stop.
0: Yeah, obviously if I say it, but I just, you know, it's a fun term. I like saying, this is canceled, you know, it's not going to have any impact whatsoever, but it just kind of shows the,
3: uh, I've had it, I've had it. I'm going to let whatever things keep doing their things, I just kindly step back. I'm unfollowing, unsubscribing, but I'm definitely not doing that to Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper.
0: Okay, how about a a group that was canceled that is now back? Apparently, from judging my Instagram story feed, everyone I follow, at least uh, from a certain demographic... Is posting this new song that's out by the Jobros. What's going on? I didn't even know that like, they were still together.
3: They're, okay, well, they're, they're brothers, so I don't think they can ever like not be together.
0: The Jonas Brothers, right? Yes,
3: the okay. Jonas Brothers. Yeah. Um, tonight they are releasing a single.
0: Was this like expected? No, I thought they were. Okay. I had no idea. So they've been they're kinda... all like
3: because one of them's one of them just got married. Nick, the yeah. youngest or the third youngest, because they have a fourth brother who's not in the band.
0: That'd suck to be that guy.
3: I mean, he's, right? He's living his life.
0: Yeah, living his life probably a lot poorer than his other three brothers. And We're going to have popular. to do some
3: research. I'm pretty sure his name's Frankie. Okay. But, so, Nick, the third youngest, just got married. That was everywhere.
0: If you missed that, I'm surprised. Good for him. Nope. Didn't okay. know that.
3: The second brother, Joe, is engaged. Good for him. Oh, my gosh. you didn't know this either. And Kevin, the oldest, is also married.
0: Well, you can't be that big of a fan. You didn't even know they were coming out with a song.
3: I, I, it was... I was not on the radar.
0: Okay. So, they're back. Have they been together this whole time? I, well, I just remember them like. Well, Nick. Nick no, no. Nick kind
3: of went off and did his own thing.
0: But I remember them on. They were on like Nickelodeon, right? They came up when we were kind of growing up, on, like the Slime Awards and stuff, right? <laughs> Isn't that where, where they kind of got their name? And
3: I most definitely went to one of their concerts. So yes, okay. I was all in on the Joe Bro, Joe Bro fan club. Okay,
0: well. So t-
3: t- we'll we'll give results. We'll give our feedback on the song next week.
0: <laughs> Honestly, might. I know they've had some bangers. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I'll probably listen. to Your it three thousand
3: will go down. That's a jam for forever. Wasn't
0: that like the of the Future song on Disney Channel? No. It was, I swear. Like, Phil. remember that show Fill yeah. the Future? And I think they used it as like a, a mashup. And they, I don't know, I could be wrong, <laughs> but they were in the year 3000, so that's why.
3: That was in like the Disney Channel glory days.
0: Yeah, it was. Sweet I, Life
3: of Zack and Cody. Yep,
0: that was a good one. Wizards of
3: Waverly Place. That's
0: so Raven. That's so
3: Raven. That's so Raven.
0: Was a great one. Uh, Proud Family. Lizzie
3: McGuire. Remember
0: the Proud Family? Yeah, with I did love that
3: one. That was so good. I don't dig the w- cartoon. With ones.
0: Sugar Mama, and she would be sitting on the couch, and then someone would change the channel, and she would pop away like I'm watching that. Like that was.
3: I wasn't was a big about show.
0: follower, but Lizzie right. McGuire. Is Speaking of ABC Disney, uh, you know that whole conglomerate. Um, <sighs> I have to bring up one more thing before we sign off for for the week. And I did this because I thought I could relate. I thought I could bring a little more to this. Oh yeah, you came in this week,
3: stereotyping me, thinking that I also watch this.
0: Okay, all I'm saying is your demographic and a lot of 20-something girls I know. This is this is market research I've done. I've gone on social media and just you know talking to my friends. They love The Bachelor on ABC every year. It's something that I have to hear about bachelor mondays you know girls get together with their cheese plates and their their wine on monday nights and all sit together don't and watch.
3: act like you don't like either and of those I, things I, okay you i do
0: love i just don't like watching the bachelor with it but i sat down i was like i'm gonna watch this i think colleen watches the bachelor and i'm gonna bring something <laughs> to the table for our discussion and i'll know what i'm talking about i sit down monday night i didn't know these shows were two hours i was like i get an hour in and it's still oh, going, yeah. and i'm like oh god okay. and
3: three girls probably already cried and okay
0: yeah so this wasn't my idea by the way my roommate uh Dan Bernstein, if he's listening to this. <laughs> under um, the bus. Yeah, toss him under the bus. He wanted to watch it. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll sit down and watch. Not much going on. So I'd seen The Bachelor before. You know, it, it's basically one of those, like, car crash type shows. Like, you, you, it's entertaining. You don't want to look away, but it's, you know, it's bad content. Um okay. and, it, and it's not good for society. So anyway, <laughs> so... I, but but you know, I, there's something to be said for bad TV. Like I was a Jersey Shore fan when Jersey Shore was on the air. G-T-L um, this falls, all yeah, day. I think this falls under that same category. Uh, it's just so ridiculous, though. Like this was the episode where the Bachelor Colton goes to the hometowns of each girl and meets the parents. Right? Dramatic. All of the, the ladies seem lovely, very nice young women. Um, and Colton actually, shout out to him, is from Washington, Illinois, which is a small town outside Peoria. One of our mutual friends actually knows. has
3: never watched The Bachelor what? before. Actually, yeah, right. Actually
0: Alice. knows knows the guy, so I know like the background info. I'm, I'm connected to everybody. I know the Firefest people. I know, like through two degrees separation, okay. The Bachelor. So Mr. it's it cool. Boy over yeah, here. it's cool watching these and like kind of getting some inside info on him. Anyway, he's going to all these um, houses, and literally the f- four times in a row, he says the same thing to each girl's dad, and is like, "I'm falling in love with." Th- with your daughter, can I have her hand in marriage to have your blessing?
3: Oh, my God. He asked all of them. All four them? of them. I'm like,
0: I'm like, you just asked his other dad probably like a day ago for his blessing. And you said the same thing about you're falling in love with the daughter. Like, I know this is like the shtick of the show, but it was just, I don't know, it was just funny <laughs> to me. And, like, it kind of, not going to lie, it got pretty boring by the end because he asked the fourth dad for
3: You're like, I know what blessing. he's going
0: to say. Right. So, I don't know, thoughts on a gentleman asking forefathers in probably the span of a week for... For women's hand in marriage.
3: That <laughs> seems exhausting, but by the fourth one I bet he sounded
0: perfect. Oh, he had his lines down.
3: <laughs> but yeah, super super slimy to me, a little bit cheese ball. But
0: what are your thoughts on the show? You obviously don't watch, I, I assumed wrong.
3: I wa- you you were very wrong. I watched it with my girlfriends haphazardly in college okay. because that is fun. But no, ever since I watched the first Bachelorette season when Tristan Trista married Ryan and I think they're still together because they were in the Rose Parade so in Pasadena them. we got to see them
0: good for them true love story
3: but um, yeah no that's really not in my wheelhouse
0: alright well next time I'm going to ask you <laughs> about what you're watching so that way we can
3: kind of we, we can
0: link up and align our, our talking points and I don't totally misfire like I did and waste two hours of my life watching The Bachelor <laughs> so. I I feel kind of hooked now now I have to like yeah, you're I have, to, I have to at least see like, which, who wins which now.
3: girl's going to get yeah. the hand in marriage
0: we'll see who gets the rose alright Colleen uh it's been great. I think we've Amazing. hit on everything going on. I that's just
3: I just want to make sure that everyone knows a very important menu item is back. What's that? Shamrock shakes.
0: Oh, yeah. In honor of March. Hitting. I don't know the last time I had a shamrock shake.
3: I know they're probably the worst thing for you, but they are
0: so good. I need a McDonald's buy me. Like I guess I have one at Wrigley Field I can go to and stop by.
3: But that's my that's my two cents. Everybody go enjoy a shamrock shake. And we'll be back next week.
0: Big days ahead. We got Shamrock Shakes back. We got Big, Big one days tournament.
3: like B1G days ahead. Big Ten
0: Tournament. March Madness coming up. We'll be covering it. We'll be talking about it. Maybe look,
3: we're going to actually get some spring weather. Maybe.
0: Uh, not this weekend. It's going to be freezing. I'm
3: going to just send that out into the universe and so, hope for the best. So
0: look ahead to next week uh, when we will have some tourism reviews for what to do if you're coming <laughs> in town for the Big Ten Tournament in Chicago. So Amazing. All right. Moving on. Thanks, Colleen. We'll see you next week. All right, thanks one more time to Spike, Harold, Colleen for joining me. Uh, thanks to everyone who listened all the way through. Even if you didn't, appreciate you, you tuning in at all. Um, appreciate my producers, as always, for helping stitch the show together. That's Julie Bronder and Wes White. Couldn't do this without them. And once again, just a shout-out to everyone who has tuned in fun time of year can't wait to uh, continue to bring on good guests and i'm sure we'll do some bracketology talk coming up soon on the show and talk to some people at the united center and in and around the big 10 tournament so plenty of good stuff to come here on the take 10 podcast as college basketball comes down the home stretch so stay tuned thanks to everyone once again for listening and we'll talk to you next time here on the take 10 podcast